Rodgers, almost going to fall for Martinez. Antonov trying to get there. Martinez finishes to give away the match. It's an absolute peach from the Paraguayan, Miguel Almiron. Atlanta United in just their second year of existence have won MLS Cup. Special final Jason Jones from Mothership to Patrick tonight's run of the game. Jersey Soccer is over there. Joe Patrick, should you guard the tall guy? Yes or no? Answer quickly. No, 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 no. I cannot <laughs> jump. I cannot jump. Well, should, I mean, should they they guard the tall guy in general? Uh, maybe not you in particular. Oh, me? Oh, I thought you were, should, should, I thought you were saying, can I guard anyone yeah. guard the tall guy? They should have DeJon yes no? mark the tall guys and mm-hmm. Alan Franco mark the short guys, maybe? I don't know. We're going to solve all these things. Doesn't, doesn't really work out that way, does it? <laughs> that's the kind of analysis people come to Five Stripe Final for. As soon as the other team figures out that that's the strategy, they just flip <laughs> it around, you know? <clears throat> brutal. Brutal. Uh, look, a lot of tactical questions like that, I guess, to answer after this one. <laughs> Atlanta United, a 2-2 draw against New England. I had fun. That's all. That's my biggest takeaway. Did you? I, I did. I, I did, did, too. I yeah. thought it was. Yeah, I feel like we're going to really anger a lot of people uh, <laughs> because I don't know about you. We haven't really talked about what our takes from the game are, mm-hmm. but I thought it was a well played game. Um, I'm pretty impressed with Atlanta United in pretty much every area, except for you know th- these individual mistakes, obviously that have really cost them. Not just in this game, but going back, uh, you know many games this season but you look at this revs team that they're playing this is a good team i mean in terms of the talent that's on the field i mean this is now a pretty fully healthy team the same team that won the supporter shield last year and so atlanta united really handled them uh in this game it was just these two moments that really stood out as the the difference makers and you know making a, a share of the spoils instead of atlanta united taking all three points so i thought they definitely played well enough to take the three points yeah, to add context to all of that, I know the Revs have been struggling a little bit as far as the standings go. Keep in mind, though, they did do CCL for a little bit, which they bombed out of, but they were also missing Matt Turner, and they were also missing Carlos Heel being the head coach, right? Like, he did the full <laughs> Joseph in Seattle thing a couple weeks back mm. where he went over and yelled at Bruce Arena for essentially not playing literally anyone but Matt Polster in midfield. <laughs> and now that that's switched around and, and Tommy McNamara kind of shifted into that 4 one they've been running, they've been getting good results. Look, Books is on a heater. He has mm. scored in his last six games, including the two he scored today, right? Uh, Heel has been on a heater. He has an assist in his last five games. Uh, this is a team that had been playing good ball. And so for Atlanta to come out and really be in control for most of the game it had its moments where you could tell something was a little bit amiss right and that new england was gonna maybe find some pretty key chances and they did i remember i literally tweeted seems like atlanta is losing control of this game as the ball was mid-flight to adam buxa to score the (laughs) second goal uh so there were things that could have been better obviously but i think i'm i'm with you joe i think for the most part a pretty solid day all around and again I had fun. Wasn't that all we were asking for to some extent? 26 anyway? shots, 17 shots from inside the box. You tweeted that out, mm-hmm. the the graph, which is incredible to look at, just that spread. <laughs> I mean, this is what you want this Atlanta United attack to be. And to Gonzalo Pineda's point, when he was talking to media after the game, you know, they still are likely going to get better when, you know, mm-hmm. you you remember that this is only the third game that Marcelino Moreno, Luis Araujo and Tiago Amada have all played together. They still haven't all played together with Joseph Martinez in the team. And it mm-hmm. sounds like he'll be coming back according to Pineda, quote unquote, sooner rather than later, which I thought was an interesting kind of reveal. I don't know if he was actually trying to, you know, put that much stock into it, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's coming together on that side of the ball, which is really exciting. And you saw a really good play from the team. It's, again, just to repeat, it just comes down to some of these isolated moments in the game where in the, on the first goal, Bobby Shuttleworth makes a mistake coming, coming out for a ball. I will say on that goal, I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but that goal came off of an Atlanta United throw-in. And this is something that Carlos Bocanegra even pinpointed as a real frustration for the front office and the coaching staff, um, you know, just kind of do, creating their own issues, especially he, the, uh, this was back in 2020. He, and he specifically cited 
the team's own throw-ins and corners as like creating chances for the other team. Um, that came back a bit again to bite him today. And then obviously Alan Franco just kind of losing his mark on the second goal. If you look at the second goal, there are seven Atlanta United players back in a defensive position and there's two new 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 England Revs players, the player who you know made the cross for the assist, and Adam Buxa who scored the goal. So I mean, it's just uh, you got to clean that up. There's no excuse for for allowing those goals because it cost you two points in this one. Yeah, no, there's no excuse for us, by the way, for not mentioning that Kurt Castle is on our intro. Oh, the song God. is "Chances." Thank uh, you, Kurt. Go check out Kurt uh, anywhere you find music. Go check out our, our Patreon. Uh, patreon.com slash five stripe final we're gonna grind some tape this week we're gonna do some interviews we're gonna have some upcoming stuff to celebrate uh the d the fsf discord coming together to raise like 1250 bucks for new american pathways here in atlanta we have the doctor show coming up soon i promise i swear to god (laughs) doctors are busy who knew right (laughs) right yeah Uh, yeah. lots of good stuff coming over there and of course you can join the world famous five stripe final discord as well patreon.com slash five stripe final but we got a few things to discuss before we discuss the game this is business time business time joe patrick and let's start with this let's start with this uh per grant wall atlanta united reportedly the ownership group of atlanta united reportedly have a strong interest in nwsl expansion uh that, that bid could be coming soon potentially it seems like it will happen sooner rather than later at this point uh again grant wall reporting that atlanta united ownership is one of five across mls bidding four NWSL expansion, that's along with Austin, Cincinnati, Salt Lake, and Toronto. This is good news. Yeah. This is good news. Yeah, it's uh, a rumor that's kind of been floating around the ether for a couple of years now, I feel like. I think it was Merritt Paulson who like leaked, I think, or maybe mm-hmm, even said right. out yeah. loud that it was like Atlanta was interested or, or somehow made it obvious that it was Atlanta who was interested or maybe even like committing to something at that point, which I don't know if that was true, but... It would be certainly a big step if like, a, a you know, some sort of official bid or official finances comes to fruition. I have kind of I would be actually be surprised if it did happen just because I always felt like this was kind of part of Arthur Blank's plan, because I've, I've always felt like this whole soccer, you know, establishment has has been like kind of a philanthropic project for Arthur Blank. And I think part of that is the academy, making sure the academy is something that is like, you know, um, allowing local kids the opportunity to, you know, reach their goals in soccer um, through through Atlanta United. And then I obviously see, you know, the, a women's program being a big part of that project as well for Arthur Blank. So it wouldn't surprise me at all. The only thing that surprised me is just after after the pandemic happened, that just changes a lot of the dynamic, I guess. And I, I always just felt that after the pandemic, it may have taken a little bit longer, but it certainly would be exciting if they, if they do bring in a, a, a women or not bring in, but start, start a women's team. That would be fun. It, it would take a lot of expansion on the Atlanta United side, just in terms of the personnel you'd have to hire just in the, in the front office to get things going, you know, office space, you'd have to create, you'd have to have facilities, all that stuff. So it would be a, definitely a long-term process. It's not like there will be a women's team here in, you know, a couple of years, I don't think, but um, it was certainly will be exciting if it happens. Yeah. My understanding is a new team wouldn't be here anytime before 2024. Okay. Uh, and you know, to me, it's almost interesting that it is Arthur blank and Atlanta United ownership. Going after this, I always assumed that an NWL team would end up in Atlanta. I just maybe didn't think it would be blank going after it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but good to have him involved if it is true, and hopefully that can get through, and we can have some fun with extra soccer. I have said this in the past. As much as I am excited about an NWL team, I am dreading having another team to hurt me. I have too many teams <laughs> that hurt me. So constantly and uh, to add another would be would be difficult. But you know what? I, I'm here for it. I'll tell you one, one of my, maybe 
probably my earliest soccer memory is is a women's soccer memory, which is, of course, Brandy Chastain's mm-hmm. iconic moment. I, I literally I remember our family was like going to something and I was like sitting in the living room waiting for like my parents to get ready to go because I was like ready and just sitting there and watch watching all that go down. I don't know why that just stands out in my mind, but um, yeah, so that, that certainly would be fun if, if it happens. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on it. We'll hopefully maybe be able to talk to some folks, have a better idea of what that expansion process mm-hmm. would look like. And of course, we'll as long as we're around, we'll be around to, to help cover it and make sure y'all are up to date. Uh, and hopefully we can get up to date on all of it as well. So exciting stuff. I like yeah. it. I like it. Less exciting, Joe Patrick. U.S. Open Cup. Not really a thing for us anymore, <laughs> which like, darn, we can't darn. repeat. <laughs> <laughs> we must relinquish the trophy uh, 2019 through 2022 uh, <laughs> yeah the longest the, the streak holders uh, of the uh, u.s open cup trophy or the, uh, what's, what's the trophy what's the name of the trophy the billy crystal really magic really ball you. trophy <laughs> I don't know, really man. Putting you on the spot, Eric. Probably the uh, U.S. Open man. Cup, right? I yeah. don't know. Yeah, the US, I guess that's true. It's a cup. <laughs> it's like it's a cup, like isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, it's gone. I, I'm not super bummed about it. I know people were bummed about how it went down, which I understand. We're not really going to get into the weeds on that loss to Nashville because yeah. Nashville wasn't playing their best team. Atlanta wasn't really playing their best team, especially by the end of the game when they had made a ton of subs and, and things had started to kind of go by to, to hell and hand bastard pretty quickly. Uh, maybe not great for the mentality of the team, but I kind of figured it wouldn't be a big deal this weekend and moving forward. And it sure didn't seem like it. Atlanta looked sharp today. And you know what? One less thing to worry about. Right, Joe Patrick? Yeah. And fit. I mean, I was actually I, like you. I was very impressed with the way the team was able to come not just off of having played that game, but the fact that it was extra time. So you're playing an extra 30 minutes and it was on the road and you were taking a bus. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I just thought that in because that was something that caught people's ire. Um, but yeah, I mean, that game was obviously not one you should lose when you're up to nothing. You, sh- you shouldn't lose those games, even though it's the most dangerous lead in soccer. But um, but I do think it was a learning opportunity. And obviously, you know, the team didn't really maybe um, take those learnings into this game necessarily. but. Uh, I would personally rather have those learning opportunities happen in the U.S. Open Cup than in the league. I know that in MLS, you know, the league is a little bit diminished because the supporter shield is not really like the premier trophy that you're going for. And so you can kind of slide in the playoffs. The results don't matter as much week to week as they do in other leagues. But um, I'm kind of with you with the domestic cups. If you can make a good run, if you get a good draw and you can kind of coast through without having to really you know (laughs) you know maximally expend your team then that's fine right yeah yeah (laughs) i know dude that was that was an amazing draw that he got that that year i think atlanta beat two mls teams to win u.s open cup Um, and it was orlando in minnesota Minnesota. bad orlando (laughs) and bad minnesota (laughs) Um, incredible people always like God, man, I've seen a few people say like, well, at least Frank won us trophies. Y'all are idiots. <laughs> Can't be on <laughs> the dumbest too. take on Atlanta United Internet. Uh, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm not like despondent about going out of that tournament. Some people might be, but I'm not. Mm, no, not not so worried about it. Not so worried about it. We got to move on to today's game. We're going to talk about all, all of it right now here in sports prime game time so i don't think it was a spider bite i think i'm gonna live okay is it is it diminishing yeah yeah did you bang it on something maybe i mean who knows huh? the hallucinations have stopped so that's good at least <laughs> sports prime game time joe patrick Jeff Patrick, I had a hallucination, hallucination that uh, Lane United scored two really, really impressive goals today. Did that happen? Or? It did. No? It, okay. it did. Do you have a favorite? <clears throat> yes. Of the two? The second one? The second one. This, I, I mean, I think the second one was a better goal. <laughs> I, the second one yeah, was, sure. was was definitely a good goal. Um, no, we'll talk about them in a second. I want to I get off to you just from the start of the game. The starting 11, Andrew Gutman, freaking in the starting 11 after like <laughs> Gonzalo Pineda is like, good news, everybody. On Friday, no fracture. He's week to week. OK. And then two days later, 
playing from week the start. Week to week. Uh, that was, that was, come on. Like, if he was even remotely ready to go, he was going to go. Yeah, I was, was shocked he even came off in the first place. I thought, like, if, even if he had, like, dislocated his shoulder against yeah. Nashville, I was like, man, they're going to pop that back in. He's going to play 45 extra minutes. He said afterwards, when we were talking to him in the locker room, he was like, as soon as the scans came back relatively clean, he, he said... We figured out a way to get me to play, <laughs> which I love that. It's like, <laughs> get, get you some cortisol shots, right? Bud. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, we um, can't confirm that. We don't know that's what happened. Right. But what he's, a baller. He's, he's a tough dude. That, and that's to, the least for, surprising thing ever. To answer your question, he, he claimed that he would win the beep test competition if they had mm-hmm. one, which um, disappointingly they didn't have one, which I'm yeah, kind of surprised. Little, I, thought, I thought we might find out that Andrew Gutman was like clearly the fittest person on the team by a significant yeah. margin, but, well, he, but it I didn't mean, happen. He certainly thinks so. <laughs> I mean, he was like, yeah, I would win it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know how we can disagree with that at this point with and the way I, he gets up and down. And, and I thought it was interesting. He admitted he was like, I use my fitness as my advantage. And that's always been something that I've had, which is just kind of interesting that a player would think about fitness literally as like a strength in their game as opposed to just like a standard to have in order to play. But it's true because he was playing everywhere, basically. I mean, I know his position is tef- technically left back, but the way he was underlapping and playing at striker at times, he was a center back at times. He was just kind of doing everything. So anyway, I'm kind of getting off topic because I love Andrew Gutman, but that was uh, that was great to see him. And then the one of the bigger tactical surprises in this one was Luis Araujo playing on the left wing, which we had not really seen so far this year. And I, I thought it kind of worked and it kind of didn't. Well, that's good that you bring up Gutman kind of to start that off because I wanted to talk about Louise on the left. In some of the context we talked about uh, the last couple of performances from the team without having Caleb Wiley Mm. on the left and without that balance being there, right? We had seen a pretty decent balance with Caleb Wiley and uh, Marcy and Almada as kind of that three, right? That attacking three. And I think it was kind of one of those things where they wanted to get some of that same production out of the left side and the same overloads out of the left side. Uh, that way you could leave space for Brooks and everything like that to play balls in Yep, and create a similar kind of tactical identity to when you had Caleb in there. Yep. But yep, instead of having exactly a 17 year old, you have Louise Araujo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really good. So I said, I, I thought it kind of didn't work and did work at the same time. I thought tactically it worked very well. I think where it didn't work was I, 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 I just got the sense, and of course he didn't say this after the game, but I got the sense that Luis didn't love playing that position, that it kind of limited what he likes to do, which is kind of come inside and create and combine and, and be more of a goal scorer, where that position in Pineda's tactical system is more of a provider. Um, and it's not that he like doesn't want to provide, but you could just, well, I don't know. Maybe I'm just making assumptions, but it seemed to me like he was like, Okay, I'll put in the cross here or I'll take the left footed shot from here. And they were getting blocked constantly, but it did create a threat out in those wide areas, which Gonzalo Pineda said that they wanted when they you know, specifically address this New England Revolution team where they packed the central areas. And he just felt like mm-hmm. his star players were going to have more time and space to operate if they got into some of those wide positions. And when you look at the shot chart, I think that actually the reason Atlanta had so many shots and so many shots from inside the box is because you had so much service coming from the wide areas. So I think in a, in a sense that it worked, I just felt like it's not ideally where Louise himself would like to be, you know, helping this team play. Yeah. And they were pretty particular about that. Gonzalo mentioned just the way that new England defends. They had noticed something and how that kind of sets up and realized there would be opportunities out wide, you know, and it seemed to largely work for the most part. You mentioned it. Louise was clearly getting frustrated with, the shots being blocked because, you know, he couldn't cut in on his left and get a good angle on that. But, you know, what, it cleared up some space. And when he finally did get central, right, he made a run kind of right up the gut and he scored on, mm-hmm. on a goal that connected Marcy, Almada, Louise all, all together at one time. And it was the prettiest moment yeah. of the day. And you know what? If you have to keep track of Louise kind of cutting on the left like that, that that's a tough thing to do, right, yeah. for any team. And an absolutely fantastic assist from Tiago Amada on that goal, the chip mm-hmm. and the, the the technical ability to make that chip. But also the thing that's impresses me so much with him is the vision to see certain passes that he has is just really, really good. Um, the, the vision to see that he was going to be able to connect with 
Araujo there on that passage of play was really good. There was another one earlier in the game where he got a quick ball from Lennon on, on in the corner of the box and then kind of sent in like a I guess it was kind of like a cross, I guess, but um, just a nice little lofted ball to the kind of to the back post area to find. I forget who it was, but he just has so many moments like that that really impressed me, uh, not even just in this game, but going back several games. So um, kudos to him. And then obviously he scored the, the you know great mm-hmm. goal in the, in the first half too. Um, the guy only seems to score screamers. Somebody said it was his third goal, but I and I I only I thought it was only his second goal. I thought the only other goal was uh, the one that he slipped on. Did he score against Nashville? What even happened in that Nashville game? No, uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> it feels like so long ago. Um, I don't know. Did he? Huh. Oh my god! I'm asking you. What is going on? Look, well, while Joe looks I, that up, and we continue to bring up some of the greatest radio in Atlanta United uh, world. Uh, look, I, I think that there is a difference between the kinds of screamers the the. Barco and PT tried to score versus the kinds of screamers that Almada has scored. And I'm not going to do the bit about him slipping. We're done he, with that. Everyone t- move on. He has two um, goals. He has two goals in MLS. Right. But Nashville wasn't in MLS. Whatever. Fuck it. Um, so yeah, I'm only seeing two goals for him. <laughs> the, the space, the spaces he takes these shots, he, he takes these shots a lot of time near the top of the box kind of in zone 14 when he takes them Mm -hmm. right and that is not the pot shots that pt was taking from 30 plus yards out right that is not the accidental goals that he could score sometimes right yeah um for him to get into those spaces i think we kind of see like oh he's outside of the box right and go like wow that's really impressive for him to keep doing that and it is it is but he's doing it in a manner that's not as haphazard mm-hmm. as pt and barco was and if you can routinely get shots off from zone 14 it's not the best thing but it's far better than the shot caller stuff that we needed to do with with pt at times right <laughs> yeah yeah he doesn't give the ball away that often i mean it happens because it always happens for attacking midfielders but um he's generally pretty tidy with the ball and creates a lot of opportunity. He also had a great techers moment in this game with the, the <laughs> roulette kind of spin uh, in the, on the top of the box. It's a shame. Nothing more came of that. By the way, he did score against Nashville, which um, I must have gotten like red flash. Like, you know, I, I think that I forgot about that as I like deleted the whole story that I had written out at halftime of that one. But anyway, that's an, that's a whole nother story. Um, yeah. So a, a really another good game from from Tiago Almada. I thought among the players that kind of play, you know, the, these core attacking players, disappointing day from Ronaldo Cisneros. Uh, he mm-hmm. I don't remember any him doing anything. <laughs> really, I, I don't he... recall him doing much. Made one of his diagonal runs that came off and ended up kind of in a primary assist zone and then didn't play the pass the right way. Mm. Uh, didn't play it back into to people's feet and everything like that. And just kind of think he put it right to the goalkeeper. So that was the one time I noticed him today. That's maybe not super great. But my gut feeling is that when we go back that he might have been making the runs off the ball that opened up space for Amada Marcy. Luis, and it'll be interesting to see once we go back and kind of take stock of everything, uh, if that was the case. But yeah, pretty quiet day I'm, from him after I'm, we spent a lot of time hyping him up. I'm looking now only 22 touches in the game in 71 minutes and only 10 completed passes in the game. So, yeah, yeah, not, not as not as much going on for Ronaldo in this one. You know, Luis Araujo was moved into a striker role toward the end. And. Looked interesting. I don't know if I, I wouldn't want him playing there just because the striker is not as involved in the, you know, just in the game as much. And Luis Araujo is a player you want getting touches throughout the game. But I don't hate moving him into that position late on um, because he's just got quality. He's mm-hmm. even got like, you know, size and strength to make things happen when he makes those kinds of runs that he scored on. So um, another little wrinkle that we saw there tactically from uh, from Gonzalo Pineda. Um and then I also just want to give a shout out to Alex DeJohn, who, you know, this defense is going to get a lot of criticism after this game. And we'll certainly do that <laughs> when we answer some of the questions, if we haven't done that enough already. But Alex DeJohn has really not 
been a part of that criticism because he's really been thrust into a really tough situation filling in for a player such as Miles Robinson, who's so important to this team. And I can't really point out Alex DeJohn doing much wrong. Uh, he <laughs> that tackle. He had that one tackle today that was a work of art. You could put that in the Vatican. <laughs> Um, which was what? incredible. There were, were art. There, never mind. We'll Isn't there a on. lot of art in the Vatican? I don't know. I, I'm not Catholic. We're gonna move on. Uh, no, he was good. He was good. Uh, look, a lot of on-brand stuff today was my kind of take on pretty much everyone involved in this game, including Dijon and that tackle where he like fell over and somehow simultaneously clipped the ball back up to himself. And as soon as he popped up, it was right back at his feet. That was incredible. I enjoyed I enjoyed Doug's deadpan comment just going like exactly how they teach it or something. Yeah, I right. I forget exactly what he said, but it was, it was right, time right. joke by Doug. So credit to him. Of course, of course. But no, I, I, look, all the people we've talked about so far today and some of the folks we haven't were if you kind of had to script everything out based on what you knew about everyone, everyone pretty much did exactly what you'd expect for the most part. Gutman was everywhere. Eruju was cutting in and making things happen. Even he was played with a, in a unique position for him, essentially. Right. Um, Alan Franco and Bobby Shuttleworth maybe didn't live up to what we expect from them. Right. Uh, New England came in and Buxa and, and Heel and Legette and Dewan Jones and all those folks did pretty much exactly what you'd expect from them mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. it played out kind of how you expected and honestly it ended up being really fun because of that it's like seeing like a yeah. marvel movie like you know the ending right but you get to see all your favorite characters do your favorite <laughs> right. character yeah, things exactly <laughs> yay yeah. Yeah. and Great. so and another one of those players franco abara and mateus rosetto i guess uh, we can just talk about the both of them but these two players are definitely like the the first choice pairing in central midfield. I mean, obviously, we've seen them play together these last few games. Obviously, Gonzalo Pineda, I think, feels that way. But, you know, I just get the sense that a lot of people still feel like Santiago Sosa is the better of, you know, is has some place in the team's best 11. But currently, I don't know, you know, maybe he does at a, as a, at a center back, potentially. But I would not want to mess with this relationship that Franco Obara and Mateus Rosetto have right now. Franco Obara had the most tackles in the game with five, one, nine of 13 ground wow. duels, which is incredible. Um, and Mateus Rosetto, 95% passing. I mean, I know sometimes when, passing percentage is like not that great of a statistic, but I think when you combined a player who wins the ball as much as Franco Obara does combined with a player who doesn't lose it as much as Mateus Rosetto does, that's a really good combination of players to play together as long as you're getting enough progression from them. And I do think that with Mateus Rosetto, we are seeing a little bit more progression from him uh, and, ju- and a little bit of feistiness too to, to win balls back um, and keep the team with its like forward thrust and kind of keep them on top of new England in the, in the attacking third, kind of what Frank DeBoer would call like the lock on kind of like in that um, phase of play. So credit to those guys. They've really been dominant, not just in this game, but for really for the last handful of games. Yeah. We, we have a few questions about that and the next segment, but totally agree. thought they were good. I think Asetu has been a completely different player this year, completely different player with his just simply some of his effort that he's given. Right. There were moments today where he was tracking back and I genuinely couldn't believe when the ball popped free that it was Hosetsu causing issues, you know, and to see that kind of continually happen and to see the kind of sense of chemistry that Ibarra and him seem to have is really encouraging. Right. That's something that's really fun to watch. And once again, wearing the armband, leading the team out today, Mateus Rosetto. Uh, I didn't know if he would because I don't I think when he wore it for the Nashville game, um, Brooks Lennon was not starting, if I recall correctly, although I clearly don't recall much at all from that game. But um, (laughs) so I kind of thought it might have been Brooks. He also talked about being kind of like a leader and all that stuff. But um, yeah, so clearly Gonzalo Pineda sees something from Mateus that's, you know, more than just kind of surface level uh, in terms of his intensity and his kind of, you know, uh, position in the team. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, they may see a lot of potential in Hasetsu. We see a lot of potential in taking a quick break. Right back with you in just a second on Five Star Final. 
All right, before we get back to the show, we did just want to thank the presenting partner of Five Stripe Final, which is Lucid FC. That's Lucid Footwear and Clothing. You can find them online at lucidfc.us, where you can find all kinds of footwear and clothing and all kinds of stuff, including socks, which we'll talk about in a second. But before we do that, did want to say that you can find them uh, for for every weekend, actually, for events at the Interlock, which is on 14th Street in Howell Mill from noon to 5 p.m. It's kind of a new development that's going up over there. It looks pretty cool. And then there's a very special community market on May 28th. So that's two weekends from this weekend, so not next weekend, but the weekend following Saturday uh, with exclusive activations and businesses from all over Atlanta Commerce coming together for a big marketplace. So you can learn something about the city, try new stuff, vendors from fashion, painters, food and Sam's favorite natural body products, uh, (laughs) all local and open for commerce and good vibes at the most popular market in Atlanta. That's one 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 five Howell Mill Road from 12 to 5 p.m. They're also releasing at that event the their new exclusive uh, collection uh, that's made from 100% recycled cotton. Uh, so that kind of fits in with the... Uh, I was just thinking about the, um, the Atlanta's kit. I forget what it's called. The forest kit with all the, you know, sustainability and all that stuff. So all good stuff. Visit <laughs> lucidfc.us. Uh, and if you... You can use DSS at checkout all season long for free shipping within the United States. So do that. DSS stands for Dirty South Soccer. All that sustainability and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Yeah. All right. (laughs) Yeah. The only way you can shop online nowadays sustainably is by having free shipping. So you definitely want to use DSS. Perfect. Does that make sense? I don't know. Probably not. It it probably did. I don't know. I kind of checked out there for a little bit. I was running on like like an hour of sleep. I'm running on like an hour of sleep. (laughs) Look, man, those natural body products, if they can cure Achilles tears, like. We got to get on that. You got to <laughs> yeah, get on that. Right. Yeah. right. Uh, you guys had a whole bunch of questions. Are they injectables? A lot of them kind of followed. <laughs> a lot of them followed similar <laughs> themes. We'll start with this one. And this is a conversation that me and Joe pre had before the game, because we said, if, if this thing happens, we're going to need to have this conversation and y'all are <laughs> yeah. all over it because it immediately came to fruition. Just about <laughs> Derek green, Says Buxa going through Shuttle Wars Fivefold makes me ask, is he really the number one option? And then Pierce says Rios Novo was Rios Novo brought in for this season. If he's too inexperienced to start over Bobby, but not getting two's matches, does this alone make sense? These are all good questions. Look, we said before the game that we had some questions about Shuttleworth, right? And his ability to not only be a shot stopper, but to command the box, right? And Today, he didn't necessarily do either of those things <laughs> he had particularly one, well. He had one good save in the second half. And I got to say, something that we were talking about in our pre-conversation about this was that up until that point, it hadn't really felt like he had made kind of a big save. You know, it seemed like. And that's why shots have been kind of been going in against him. You know, like he, <laughs> he hasn't really been stopping him. Uh, I felt like when that first goal went in, Sam and I kind of looked at each other. We're like, OK, it's on. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, because like he has been, you know, very average at this point. And my biggest concern and what you mentioned there, Sam, is just is the is the command of the box. And that was more of a strength of Brad Guzan's where he, you know, may not have been as as great of a shot stopper because he is a big bodied guy. But that big body at least allowed him to kind of clear people out, you know, and go up for the ball and grab it. And with Shuttlesworth, Shuttleworth, um, I don't know if it's necessarily like he can't do it physically. It seems like he gets caught in between two minds. And that's exactly what led to that first goal where he kind of started coming out, then decided it, yeah, he wasn't going to get there, stopped, then was had his foot feet all out of position and obviously got slotted through in the five hole. And then after that happened on the second goal, he just never really comes out for it where, you know, it's maybe it's questionable whether he would have had a shot to be able to punch it away. But Regardless, Atlanta United's got to do better in that situation on the second goal to get to stop that from happening one way or another. Probably using the offside trap is is the best way to nullify that one. But Shuttleworth was clearly at fault for one of the goals, you know, and he would admit it, too. And I think he, he may have even said he should have done better um, on, on the first one. Should never get beat from that position. I think that yeah. shot had point zero two expected goals. 
I just went back and rewatched it just a second ago before we started recording here. And it's even a tighter angle than, than I remember. <laughs> you should not be getting scored on there. I think he was actually a little bit worried about he was c- trying to guard against the cross, the low cross coming through. Um, and that's why he kind of got caught out as well. But just not a good look for him in this one. And I, and and clearly a performance like that is going to lead people, I think rightly so, to be wondering about Rocco's Rios Nova, which is what Pierce talked about. And um, the thing with him for me is that we just have not seen him play. So and he has not played a game. I don't know how much competitive soccer he was playing at Lanus, but he has not played, you know, so I know a lot of people are wanting him to come in because it's, you know, oh, well, how much worse could he be? Well, it could be worse. (laughs) It it could be worse. Um, And you don't want to see that. So you don't want to thrust Rios Novo into a situation that he's not prepared for. If he has not been playing competitive games at all, and then you throw him into an MLS match where let's remember Rocco's Rios Novo is 20 years old. I want to say I'm trying to type right now. He mm-hmm. is uh, 19 years old. So you're going to throw a 19 year old into an MLS game. It's a big ask, you know, so I don't think it's as easy as saying like, oh, you got to throw Rocco's Rio Novo in there. Now I, I want to keep on this rant. Um, Pierce asks if he's too inexperienced to start over Bobby, but not getting twos matches. Does this loan make sense? Good question. Uh, I think the loan does make sense because you need somebody to be the reserve keeper who's on the bench. Something I tweeted after the game was that it is a little bit unfortunate that he is in this role because it kind of prevents him or makes it harder for him to get matches with the twos because he's required to be on the bench for Atlanta United. So if they're playing on the same day, then obviously he can't be in two places at once. So um, it is a tough situation for him. And I would want to see him play in some twos games before he plays in MLS. And I do not anticipate a change, especially after what Gonzalo Pineda said today, which is that you need consistency at that position, especially when it comes to communication, communicating things like stepping up on offside traps. That's that's something that's going to get solved by Bobby Shuttleworth playing more with these defenders, not throwing somebody else in there who can maybe make a certain shout. Yeah, pulled up the shot stopping numbers right quick. And of the 44 keepers that have played so far in MLS this year, he is 37th in shot stopping right now. Makes sense. It has not been a great 400 something minutes for Bobby Shuttleworth. The thing is, Brad Gazan, 35th. Uh, (laughs) Only a marginal improvement (laughs) there. Keeper has not been a strength so far. For Atlanta United, I do want to point out, too, that some people have been wondering if Minnesota would part ways with Tyler Miller and send him to Atlanta. He started for a while for the Loons for getting one-upped by Dane St. Clair. Tyler Miller actually worse than Shuttleworth and Guzan hmm. so far, so maybe not an option. I understand where people are coming, though, from for Rocco Rios Novo at this point. You just... You wonder, right? Like you just kind of wonder if absolutely, if he absolutely. Was a shot. I don't criticize anybody for better, like right? wanting to see it. I'm also curious. I would like to see it. I just don't expect it to happen. But you know, clearly yeah. Gabriel Heinze thought very highly of Rocco Rios, Rocco Rios Novo. So uh, I do wonder if the team will maybe use this tr- secondary transfer window to maybe make a long term goalkeeper signing. Um, a guy who might be the successor to Brad Guzan because who knows if he comes back next year and is able to be the same Brad Guzan prop. I mean, well, you hate to say it, but probably not. Right. I mean, an Achilles injury is very serious, especially for somebody who's going to do a lot of leaping and things like that. Yeah. No, well, look, it, it kind of hits at something that I've been thinking about a lot with this secondary window is that you got to get rid of guys to bring guys in at this mm-hmm. point. And it's, it's going to be very difficult. Mm-hmm. It's going to be very difficult. We have a few questions about maybe potentially sending this person off or this person off, right? And that's it's hard to do at times. We've had these conversations before, I think, where we've been like, okay, maybe we can get rid of some folks, but probably not the case, right? Uh, tough to do. Yeah, I mean, and if you're not bringing in somebody to replace those people, yeah, like when Jake Mulraney went out with nobody coming in, I mean, now, yeah, that was a firestorm. So, um, yeah, I just think that, you know, the, the Rocco's Rio Novo, the, one of the reasons why they brought him in was because they knew him. <laughs> they knew him. He was available. 
they knew they could get him in quickly because they <laughs> were running out of time in the transfer window to bring somebody in. And believe it or not, signing a player usually is a process that takes months and months, not just like a couple weeks. The players that take a couple weeks to bring in are players just like Rocco Rios Novo, where it's kind of set up for you perfectly, where he's a former player and he's not getting time at his current club. Um, so that's most likely the reason he was brought in. It's probably not for much money. I mean, this is a very minor deal in the grand scheme of things. In the grand scheme of things, this one feels like a pretty okay result. All considered, it's frustrating to look at this team's home record right now. But this was also the 10th lineup Atlanta United has used this season. It's it's been hectic, I guess, is a way to put it. And and to come away with the point against New England, you you feel somewhat okay about it. But we did a few questions uh, just about the general performance of the team. Uh, Eberhardt Creative says, could have been three points as easily as a lopsided loss. Bobby wasn't as bad as we think. The attack looks very sharp at times it was a fun match to watch which is all i really want for my season tickets and Stanford says i felt like it was a positive result all things considered helps that we are scoring more goals at the moment still curious what the team will can bring in during the next transfer window uh so yeah a, a few thoughts there kind of a few things to address but I, I think the last part from Everhart is kind of something we've been talking about for a while it's a fun match to watch which is all you really want from your season tickets Coming into this game, right? Yeah, I mean, coming into this game, I think both of us would have said that a loss was very much on the table. This is a good, talented team that has played together. I mean, this Revs team at this point in the season has a lot going for them. I mean, things are now going pretty smoothly for them now that they've got Matt Turner back in the fold, now that they've got kind of all their pieces in place and the schedule more sorted out than it was earlier in the season. So you knew that this was going to be a tough one. And Atlanta United played really well to Eberhardt Creative's uh, point. You know, the the attack was good. They could have scored more than two goals potentially if they would have, you know, gotten fortunate at times, but they definitely deserved the two goals that they did score. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think overall, you're just this the the potential is pointing upward for the attack too it's like things can only get better really barring any sort of major injury to one of these key players so i agree i mean i think you know there's a there's a conversation happening on twitter right now that is very interesting to me which is um felipe kind of put out some tweets that have gotten people talking about this which is that the vibe was just weird and i think we have a question later on in this um i want to uh, Matthew Balti asked, "Why was today weird?" Um, and I guess well, people were saying in Jacob the stands has one too. Okay, says, okay, uh, you got Okay, yeah, lots being made of the atmosphere by twelve minutes. Felipe, interested to get y'all's thoughts as a result uh, of the past about three yeah. years or just a weird weekend, Sunday afternoon, etc. Do you think Darren, etc., take notice of stuff like that? Uh, I'm not going to speak for Darren, but you know, we've talked about it in the past how it's it's not quite the same as the first two years. But we've been talking about that for a while because <laughs> yeah, it's not like the we first were like two years. one of the first ones talking about right? that. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, I, I was sitting there and I'm like on a 1:30 Sunday start, you know, and being like, yeah, this is fun. This is what this is. It's a 1:30 Sunday start. Yeah. And what is it? It's May. I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. I, I wasn't too concerned about it all. It's interesting yeah. to me that this has become a theme. I walked by the um, the backyard area the home depot backyard area coming into the stadium and i noticed that it was like i mean it's always a family friendly environment down there and there's always a lot of kids but it seemed like even more kids uh there which you would <laughs> expect i think for like a game like this again like you mentioned a 130 sunday game school i think has probably just gotten out for a lot of them so yeah it was just one of those games and um i didn't really notice anything particularly different about the atmosphere in the stadium today. Maybe it's different. Maybe Twelman was commenting on it, and that's what's got people talking more about it, maybe in a more critical way. And maybe in to Taylor Twelman's perspective, he's thinking back to when it's been this raucous crowd, and we've kind of observed that already having gone downhill. I think a lot of it pandemic-induced and also just induced from the teams that we're playing in the stadium yeah. during those during, during those years, but that was fine. Yeah, no, it, look, it's not the same. They aren't getting the same results at home. They aren't getting the same results in general, but that's not to say that that can't come back if the team really starts to put together results and get points and 
keep scoring at the rate they're scoring and the way they're scoring, that's going to that's gonna catch people's attention, right? This, you would have caught yeah. more people's attention today if you got three points, but you know what? Putting together a game where you put 26 shots up on the board and they had what? They had 16 last game against Chicago. This is a team that's creating chances at the very least. Now, would you like the quality of those chances to go up? Yeah. Uh, look, I think uh, six of our shots came from crossing moments today. The average shot quality of those was 0.002, I think. Uh, not great to see that, right? But some of the other moments, like uh, progression phases, attacking phases, pretty high average shot quality and pretty good uh, chance quality overall mm-hmm. for Atlanta United. So as that kind of improves along with the number of shots, the the crowd will improve as well as they are more engaged, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm just, uh, shoot, my app doesn't have the times of when these games have started. But I feel like Atlanta United has played a lot of Sunday games this year and just like not a lot of Saturday night games, which are like the prime, the, <laughs> those are the prime tailgating games right you know like a saturday mm-hmm. saturday night or late afternoon there just haven't been that many of those especially at mercedes-benz stadium i feel like this year so uh but yeah you're right if they get back and they're scoring you know three goals a game just like rolling and moving up the standings and you get some of those saturday night games it'll be back it's a long season it's a long season it's a long season but we may have already figured out who the starting midfield is all considered considering there is a rotating cast of midfielders that could be involved in all of this we had a few questions about this john nason says does emo start in this 11 when fully fit my answer is yes jacob says i can't believe i'm asking but what is sosa's role in this current team feels like the emergence of ibarra and hosetu and return of Heinemann kind of has him on the outside looking in and heathwood says a little late but in case you see this while we're recording franco Ibarra is legitimately the most important part of the attack looking more mm. dangerous lately discuss amongst yourselves i like that last point Let's get to it last. I, I think as far as Emo starting when he's fully fit, Emo's not going to be fully fit for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look, we're, we're still in that timeline where he's returning from an ACL tear, right? Where even Gonzalo says he's just not ready to start. And even when he does start, this is my words, not Gonzalo. Even when he does start, he's not going to be quite the same person for a little bit. And we've known this from multiple examples in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. At this mm-hmm. point, right? So maybe right. pump the brakes on email. Yeah, yeah. I actually asked him about this at uh, Friday's training session too about Heinemann, and he just said that right now he's looking at him just as a sub. But and they want to see more consistent performance from him uh, over his you know thirty minutes or whatever. And he's talking not necessarily about the soccer performance, but like the physical performance and the the literal stats they're looking at. You know, they just want to see him maintaining that consistency over the duration of his appearances before they start putting more on his plate. And so especially with how this midfield is performing right now, there isn't really a rush to have to do that, which is great for Atlanta United. The fact that you don't feel like you have to rush Emerson Hyman back in. Uh, But I have a question for you. Were you reading John Nason's question when you said your answer? Yes. Your answer is yes. That Emerson Hyman would start in this 11 when fully fit. Yes, that was part of okay. his, his whole okay. deal. It was. I wasn't that sure was that you deal. were actually agreeing deal. with that. Because, yeah. I mean, it's a great question. <laughs> and uh, it's so hard to answer that question because part of me definitely does say that Emerson Heinemann, quality-wise, is in this team's best 11. But I wouldn't want to mess with this uh, this central midfield that they have right now with Abara right. and Rosetto, and so that leaves who are you going to remove? It would have to. Sanji. Marcelino Moreno is probably the only player from this current starting eleven that you would say would be removable for an Emerson Heinemann. I could see Heinemann maybe like moving the ball a little quicker than Moreno does. That could potentially help players like Luis Araujo and Tiago Almada. But I don't know. It's just it's tough to do that because. Marcelino he's not be has such a track record. creative, right? Yeah, and exactly. He's not going to have those little moments of, of brilliance for the most part. The, the moments may be insanity. Yeah. For the most I, part, there is a Marcelino record. moment would, today yeah. where he literally stopped the ball in the primary assist zone on the edge of the box and then like posted up and then like kept posting <laughs> up, posted up with yeah, his back yeah. to the basket. They did, he did and the you, drop and step little, and like rolled exactly, the guy. Yeah. Did a dream shake at one point. <laughs> like, and you're like, what the heck are you doing, man? And then you're like, no, 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 still no. 
oh God, he's through. <laughs> How did <laughs> he, he did do it. that? <laughs> and he was like, you know, going down the end line and was able to create a chance. Right. Yeah, yeah. It was absurd. It was the, it was a peak Marcy moment. <laughs> 10 out of 10. No notes for Marcy. Um, as far as Sosa goes, I, I think right now I agree with you. I think Tabarho knows that too. And, and Sosa just doesn't have the athleticism in that role and you know what his benefits as a passer don't really outweigh what Ibarra and Hasetu mm-hmm. are doing right now mm-hmm. and to add to that the the understanding that Ibarra and Hasetu seem to have of their positioning seem to have instantly clicked mm-hmm. right yeah like and immediate sitcom Sam and Diane <laughs> chemistry yeah. between the two right then the, the the tactics that Pineda's team plays with those two central midfielders he wants them like being aggressive and getting forward and applying pressure and then like using short passing to maintain possession and recycle possession, do all that stuff. Not so much the play that we saw under Gabriel Heinze, where really Santiago Soso was playing as a center back as a central center back in a back three and like was dropping off basically and had a lot of time and space to pick out those passes and spray those wide balls. It's just, it doesn't really fit as much with Gonzalo Pineda's tactics. So um, you mm. do wonder maybe if a player like him could be, you know, we talked earlier about if you want to bring players this in, true. you got to move players out and you never want to. I'm not saying that they should or, are, you know, whatever, but he, I think, would probably be a candidate for somebody who could potentially get moved. And there probably is a market for him, too. I would think he's a young, talented player with, you know, relatively good pedigree and all that stuff. So. Mm. You know, maybe maybe he would be a guy. And if you do move him, that would create an opening for a U23 slot, which could be a big signing for Atlanta. If I remember right, there was interest in, in Santiago from Everton at one point. So he could go play that for the championship side yeah. and that would be fun. Yeah. Right. So uh, <laughs> well played. Yeah. Look, we can all laugh at uh, everything. Yes, we can, of course. I think uh, I want to touch on Heathwood's point real quick about Ibarra being an important part of the attack, looking more dangerous. There is a security to having him back there. You talked about him winning five tackles and Gonzalo talked post game today about him basically just getting stuck in on everything, you know, every single duel, the going full throttle at it. And that provides you a level of security on top of that. Franco Ibarra has recognized pressing triggers really well, along with Hosetu. And that is something that we worried about and Gonzalo openly worried about once Ozzy Alonso mm-hmm. was out of the picture. Who was going to recognize the pressing triggers? Who was going to lead those uh, moments, right, where Atlanta United could get potentially create transition moments for themselves, essentially, right? And to have that in there has been an effective part of it. And you see it improving. You see it improving kind of game by game. We saw it in Nashville worked really well a couple of times. You saw it today where it worked pretty well a couple of times. And, you know, Atlanta comes out in the mid block and caused some issues for New England for chunks of the game anyway, getting through midfield in general. They, they had a tough time. And at one point I leaned over to you. I'm like, I think Bruce is getting outsmarted here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, they were just like that's, passing, that's getting right in the pockets and, and passing all around them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to your point about the pressing triggers, doesn't it seem like that's like the area of Santiago Sosa's game that's like kind of aggravating where it just seems like he's that step slow mm-hmm. in some of those moments. And I don't know yeah. if it's a physical thing or a mental thing, but, you know, it just seems like Ibarra and Rosetto have a much better um, recognition of it. I think it might be a physical thing. Yeah. I think like 20 years ago, Santiago Sosa is the the what is it? The Gonch who, mm-hmm. who sits back and just like pings passes while just standing still the entire game. He's mm-hmm. below, right? He's mm-hmm. like wheelchair age Pirlo <laughs> right <laughs> um, and that's kind of how I feel about his abilities right now and they don't necessarily fit within what Atlanta United needs to or wants to do makes me wonder if he should be moved or trained as, as a center back um, you still you know I, I, don't, I don't know maybe maybe that would be a better long-term position for him but certainly Atlanta United's got to figure out where his place is um and if not, if like if he doesn't have a, a set place or, or uh, you know, if they don't have a clear path for him, maybe again, maybe he is a player they would look to, you know, potentially just gauge interest and see if there's uh, if if moving him might be beneficial for the team. Again, I'm not trying to push anybody out, but at the end of the day, if you want to bring players in, you got to, you know, move players out. So just part of the part of the deal. 
what I was trying to describe is totally not an enganch. I'll remember the word yeah, for it later. There was a, I'm trying to think too. Again, my brain is so fried. It's definitely not a Segundo Volante, but it's a uh, <laughs> Regista. Jesus a Regista. Christ. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Good Lord. I, I just got so many Euros not points deducted <laughs> from me. Uh, people, speaking of people losing street cred, by the way, Emerson Hyman was wearing a Husker do shirt today. The, <laughs> so the, of course, the, the Seminole. <laughs> punk rock band from uh st paul minnesota who's gonna do and doug emerson says emerson name a name a song by this band and he goes i just like the shirt <laughs> that was the whole conversation <laughs> incredible i'm so glad we're back in the locker room <laughs> uh, that was great speak, speaking of people, the whole i feel like they? the whole locker room got a laugh out of that one i mean like everybody <laughs> It was good. Alex John was kind of jumping in on it as well. Yeah. It was it was yeah. fun. Uh, look, uh, there may be some folks who aren't in that locker room come summertime. Jacob has a question about this. Says, is it time we move on from Alan Franco? We've been talking a bit this entire time about people who might be potential trade pieces and potential transfer pieces and everything like that in the summer because I think me and Joe both agree that it's going to be a somewhat busy summer, probably less than we're going to expect. Propose I think we're probably going to talk yeah. ourselves. We'll yeah, explore <laughs> <this>. many, many <laughs> things. But. The team itself will probably not be as active yeah. as, as what we're talking about. Uh, but there might be a potential thought. And I think, Joe, you mentioned this last show about Alan Franco being one of those pieces simply because he was a Heinze request. Right. Request, he was yeah. the third person they went to as far as we know on that request. And frankly, hasn't been up to the standard, especially when he came in as a designated player that has been bought down, of course, and it's not something necessarily we need to worry about. But he's clearly on decent money, not necessarily living up to that in a way that is encouraging, largely because not because if you took the overall 5000 foot view of what he's been doing. He's been pretty okay. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. If you took the extremely narrow view and kind of looked over it with the fine tooth comb and a microscope, you'll notice that every single game he has a moment where he <laughs> makes a critical error. And that's a bad thing to do <laughs> as a <yeah>. center back. <laughs> I know. It's like it's one of those things where, you know, a center back can do everything right in a game. But if you're making that one mistake that's leading to goals. Are you really, you know, proving your, you know, are, are you really providing value for the team, essentially? Uh, and I think that that's the big question. I also get the feeling that it's got to be like starting to really annoy Pineda at this point <laughs> that he's <laughs> yeah. that he's making these mistakes. And he was not playing early in the season. I mean, George Campbell was playing over him. You know, there was injuries and things like that that happened with with Franco, of course. But I mean, I think it's clear that it's not like. Pineda has seen Alan Franco as this, you know, locked on starter as long as he's healthy and all that stuff. So, you know, with that said, again, if there's a center back out there that he really likes, that he feels like would fit his system, you know, et cetera, et cetera. um, I definitely think the team would be open to a move like this. Um, And Alan Franco, again, still a young player. I think there would probably be a market for him. Mm-hmm. maybe even within mls uh who knows he's he's certainly I've that ta- too he's certainly what's that i've wondered that too about yeah. him being a potential trade piece for all for his flaws which he definitely has his flaws he also definitely has his strength and you know every player has a, have the has their strengths and flaws but alan franco's flaws are are pretty critical to the results of this team right now and that's what's really obviously got everybody frustrated francisco calvo keeps getting work People actively yeah, go right. and get Francisco Calvo <laughs> and pretend that's a great idea. Yeah. So, like, there's a market for Alan Franco somewhere within this league if you can find it. Yeah. And if that's necessary in the end, right? We're, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. It's just that the start of the year has been kind of filled with these moments that have been, again, critical. And can't have that. Gonzalo mentioned that today. You, you, when you make those mistakes as a defender, they're, they're the big ones. You know, he's played in a back three a lot at Atlanta United because that's just the formation that the team has played with a lot. Gonzalo Pinedo played with the back three a lot last year, carrying on from Gabriel Heinze's tactics. And he certainly does seem like a player that benefits from having that extra center back as a, just an extra bit of cover for when he does, you know, make a mistake. It's not as critical as some of the mistakes that we've seen more recently. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, gosh, man. It, it, for me, it started in Colorado when he stood next to Diego Rubio for a good 30 seconds and then didn't defend the cross that came yeah. in. Yeah. And, and Rubio mossed him. Rubio not that big. You know, it, it's been an interesting year for Alan Franco. For yeah. Sure. I mean, to your point, I think, Sam, did you have a tweet about this? About, um, yeah, just Atlanta, how much they've struggled dealing with balls into the box. Um, oh, totally. We, and we've talked about it on the show yeah. as well. And it's why I leaned over you today before the game started and said, Atlanta's going to lose this. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. New England created more chances from crosses than than any team in the league coming in today. And they still do by a clear margin because they were like 12 chances ahead of the next closest team. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, I, I thought Atlanta was going to struggle with the crosses more than they did. They still struggled with balls from the wing into the box, right? Dukes has scored on two of them. Mm-hmm. But you know what? It didn't kill them in the end, I guess. Yeah. It only slightly wounded them. So so good work, I guess. But even At least but it even wasn't Alex John's fault. That second goal really was it was kinda of like it wasn't probably technically a cross, but it was a ball, a lofted ball in the air kind of coming from a cross angle and Right. Both goals were cross adjacent. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so Still, Atlanta needs to figure out what they're doing to defend balls coming out to end. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, exactly. I uh, had a couple other questions. Speaking of folks on the wing, Mr. Tubbs Hotline. What, what is that? Mr. Tubbs Hotline <laughs> says, would love to see a change at right back. Lennon is okay, but needs someone able to beat a man as well as make a progressive pass. Also, I'd love to see Moreno in the Hosetsu role. And the bar does not get enough praise since he has started uh agree with a bar not getting enough praise disagree with moreno and needing to be in a set to roll let's maybe talk about brooks for a little bit and i think we can put this on on gutman too we don't need them to be liverpool right, right? they're they're not going to be alexander arnold and, and and robertson right but it would be nice if they played the ball just a little bit quicker <laughs> into the box <laughs> it'd be nice if they were brentford or yes. so I'm just making a joke there. Yeah, no, it's yeah. I mean, um, this team has not really relied on a lot of service from out wide until today. I feel like today they did way more crossing into the box than they have for the majority of the season. I really feel like on the whole, Lennon's crossing has been better this year than it was last year. Um, so I'll credit him with that. But again, to your point, it's not like he's a world beater out there or anything, but I feel like it's, it's decent enough. Part of it also is that you look at the personnel that Atlanta United has out there and it's not like you have a ton of targets, you know, you've got Ronaldo Cisneros, <laughs> right. you can beat somebody, you know, to the back post perhaps, but you're not like, you don't have these big targets in the box, but what, something that and, you were saying is that it would be nice if there were patterns of runs that players were making into certain areas and then you could deliver balls into those areas on a consistent basis. And it's not like you can completely ignore that part of the game either, right? Like the crosses in from the wing can still unsettle back lines. You kind of need to have that threat there. It's just you would either want to see it be quicker or in slightly better positions, more closer to those primary systems that we mm-hmm. and, and they always talk about, right? And I think that can improve over time. It's just something that feels pretty fixable pretty easily. Right. And maybe we're completely off base on this. Yeah, I think, no, I think so. Yeah. Coached an entirely different way. But from where we're sitting, it seems too slow. Speed yeah. it up, guys. And you Speed don't want any part of Marcelino Moreno in the Mateus Rosetto role. <laughs> Let, <laughs> you know, you turn the ball over and drive you crazy. Let's not. Uh, Joe Patrick, you don't want any part of this rapid, rapid fire. We got a short one today. Let's First go. time caller says, How do they stop these 30, 45 minute stretches? They just stop playing after getting. Or conceding goals. I don't know why I put it in rapid fire. Seems like a longer question. <laughs> oh, go quickly. Sniffing salts. What? <laughs> no. Well, okay. Uh, how do they stop it? This we've been talking about this for a while. This is like a thing that has been a, a pretty regular issue where they just kind of shut off for some reason. Uh, it's not on us. It's on you guys. It's on. It's on the team. And Fernando recognizes to, to it. I mean, it he, he 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 criticizes the team. It's like the one thing he criticizes the team publicly for is the shutting off i thought they were actually better uh, about it today they at least came back and you know fought back from the losing position and again you like yes they probably lost a little bit of control of the game um or that they didn't quite have the dominant control that they had uh over the game in the first half when you know in the second half kind of in between the two goals that new england scored but uh, i didn't think it was 
obscene. I didn't think it was like something crazy. And um, the goals, you shouldn't have given up those goals. Like they were rapid, individual rapid errors. Matthew Balti says, why was today weird? Why was today weird? Today felt pretty normal to me for the most part. Maybe, uh, Mer- Mercury's in retrograde. That's right. For me, that. it was because I had birthday beers last night and then combined with a Tottenham <laughs> game at 7 a.m. this morning. So with a nap wedged in between a morning Premier League game and then coming to this game. So that's why today was weird for me personally. ATL Greg one ask, what is the XG shield called? I'm assuming he's talking about something like where Atlanta United has like the most XG. The tally. Well, guess what, Greg? They're not going to win that either. <laughs> so in your face, Greg, but it would be called the Teodal football Memorial Stadium Cup. That's what it is. It's like one of those plastic stadium cups that just says XG <laughs> with like a picture of Teodoro Football's death thing. Um, John Nason asked, "Game? What is this? Okay, this this is nonsense. Moonman talk. Game is a mustn't lose, and you need two from three. I don't know what that means. Who okay, must win game, and you need two of. You need to pick two center backs in a must oh, okay, win game." Cool. Who are you Alan Franco, from? George Campbell, and Ale- Adam Alex Dijon. <laughs> uh, I am picking Franco and Campbell. I don't have enough info on Alex yet, but I'm optimistic. You're Alex curious? Yeah, we, we need to stop doing that. But that one's getting weird. What's your answer? I'm going to John. I'm going to John... And I'm gonna go Campbell. <laughs> Joe Patrick got a sandwich. I'm gonna shop. go to John Campbell. Can't okay. believe I did it. Can't believe I did it. Did I was it. the I'm Alan Franco hype man last year. <laughs> you you live long enough to see yourself become <laughs> that's the right. That's Patrick. absolutely that right. That was that's a good bit. rapid rapid fire. Uh, wow, this was a this was a weird one. We we cranked this one out after a long day at the ballpark. Me and you. Joe Patrick. Uh, so thank you for staying with us through a, a bit of a disjointed one, but we had fun. We hope you guys had fun. We had fun watching the game, even though I don't know, apparently we didn't like break the decibel meter in the crowd, whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, there'll be uh, more opportunities, more opportunities, uh, opportunity this weekend coming up against Nashville. I'm going up. Joe Patrick is not say, Hey, if you see me on Broadway at Roberts Western getting the, nice. what's it called? It's called the uh, bruh, it's not the depression. It's like a recession. It's called the recession. The, the drink. That's what it is. Yeah. Well, it's a it's a meal. You get a PBR. You oh. get a fried oh, bologna yes, yes, sandwich, yes. and you get a moon pie. And it's yeah. like five bucks. And you've got like old school Western music playing right. in the background. It's it's my favorite thing on Broadway. Do you have a favorite uh, bar on Broadway? Oh, that place, Roberts Western. Okay. Easily, for that's sure. Your, that's your bar. For sure. Okay. Because you avoid the, the bachelorette parties the most there. Yeah. You know. Uh, so. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> so that should be good. Uh, it'll be a way different game, I think, than the Open Cup game. Uh, both teams will have their best foot forward on that one uh, in a way they didn't in the Open Cup. And should be fun. Should be fun. We'll have stuff on the Patreon, patreon.com slash five stripe final to preview, to review, all that kind of stuff. Go ahead and check it out. And yeah, Joe Patrick, anything else before we get out here? Thank you, everybody, for listening. We love doing this show for you guys. That's all I got to say. We do have fun, you and I, Joe Patrick. Let's get out of here. Bye, all. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, to this completely arbitrary internet content piece.